Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like doing laundry. It just never ends. Today on the show, uh, I've got a voice message, so we're going to play that in a second, but uh, I wanted to kind of give you an update on how I'm feeling. Um, I'm a little bit more up energy-wise in terms of being able to perform for you guys, <laughs> but uh, this morning I was pretty low. Um, I felt really bad because Molly and I went to breakfast and... Her and I, uh, we talked about stuff, but like, I could totally feel that like she was completely reading my energy and I just had nothing. I was pretty flat. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of slowly working up, um, to regain some energy, but I think, I think I crashed from a lot of things going well. And then suddenly some things, uh, uh reaching some hiccups. So I was getting a lot of wins. And then suddenly I was really hit with a couple of walls and that just kind of made me crash. I tried to think about that from like a chemical imbalance perspective. Like I had a lot of endorphins and dopamine going and then I couldn't keep it up. Basically my, and the way I look at it, and I don't know if this is scientifically accurate. The way that I look at it is that my, my endorphin levels are not, um, normally stable. So I need external things to lift that up. And if I can't keep that up, then, um, I crash and, or if I go too far, I crash. I'm still trying to figure all that out, but that's what it feels like in my life these days. So, you know, I'm a little bit lower energy despite me talking maybe a little bit faster, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to get, uh, I'm recording these episodes in advance. So I'm actually really excited to just get ahead. Um, so let's play this message from books saved my life and um, go from there. Dopamine, mental health. Hey, I like this episode. Uh, so I have a question. What do you think of, you know, obviously marketing can be dangerous and everything, but what do you think of as uh, depression is like a habit, kind of like a learned, a learned routine that we follow after uh, a trigger or a cue? I've been, you know, reading uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And it seems like a lot of things are on autopilot and we feel helpless uh, to those things. So, you know, and then a lot of times we're reinforced with love. If if you kind of disappear for a little bit, people are like, oh, where you been? You know, are you okay? Blah, blah, blah. So that reinforces our routine of... Um, you know, isolating or whatever the case is, but. Okay. Yeah, sure. Let's talk about that. Depression as a learned habit. Same thing with stress. I think that's something that uh, we kind of hold on to without realizing it or thrive on it or get used to the feeling and we want more of it. Let's talk about that a little bit on dopamine. Drums, please. <laughs> Okay, so welcome to the show. I hope you're doing well. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for appreciating the show. I've got a couple of voice messages recently, and I'll respond to you guys, and I really appreciate uh, the love that you've been giving me in this show as we get a little bit bigger. Uh, it's really amazing to get little affirmations, to know that people are listening, paying attention, they have comments, they have thoughts, and sometimes will help supplement what I'm saying. Because, again, I'm only a person 
I'm going to maybe accidentally say ignorant things or, you know, I need to be, I need to learn. So I would appreciate, um, certainly helping me, but also having patience with me, (laughs) you know, as I'm just a person that is also living with bias and dealing with my own things and mental health issues and stuff. And, and, you know, that's the whole premise of this show is that I'm just a person talking about this stuff. And, um, I'm going to reiterate that probably on the tomorrow's episode, actually, um, where I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, thinking about your heroes as people, you know, not putting them on a pedestal. So we're going to, we're going to talk about that in tomorrow's episode, but now we're going to talk about this voice message that I got from, um, he didn't say his name, but the anchor station is called books saved my life. So if you just look for that in the search bar, you can find his channel there and, uh, subscribe to that. Or if you're listening on anchor, I think you can just immediately hit the button and subscribe to them. Um, but, uh, he left a really great message and, uh, a really great thing to think about. And it's something that I've been thinking about the last few days, actually, where Molly and I have actually been talking about this, about this concept of uh, being used to stress or thriving on stress or feeling like uh, um, so used to stress that it becomes your default. It's almost weird to not feel stressed or feel uh, depression or to kind of soak in negativity and bad habits. Um it was actually the last night that we talked about that because she had a friend of hers on Instagram that was messaging her um, that, that she posted on one of her stories, not Molly, but Molly's friend posted on one of her stories that she was struggling with her art. She wanted to just kind of like burn it all down and do something completely different, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, Molly was responding and giving encouraging advice and, uh, the person just continued to insist that they were just like, I don't know, I just feel bad and I don't like it. And, meh, meh, meh. and you know, at that point, the person that's trying to help you is just going to stop. Because, like, if you're not willing to help yourself, then, like, you know, who else is going to help you? And I think it's a matter of personal responsibility when it comes to thinking about depression as a habit. And, and that's really part of this show. So let me pull back a little bit. The whole point of this show throughout, I'd say a theme through most of the episodes is about taking personal responsibility. Your life is the only life that you are going to experience a hundred percent of the time. Like you're going to have times where you're alone. You're going to have times where you have to fend for yourself, where you have to make decisions on your own. Your emotions are not someone else's responsibility. Your depression is not someone else's responsibility. Anything that you experience is not someone else's responsibility. It's not God's. It's not your friends. It's not the universe. It's not your mother's. It's not your child's. It's not your siblings. It's nobody else's responsibility, but yours. It doesn't mean you are the sole person that has to fix it, but you are the arbiter of it. You are the person that needs to take the reins and take control of your life and take control of working towards fixing these things. Right. And that includes recognizing when you're so inundated with stress, noticing your own patterns, being self-aware and listening to yourself so that you know that your form of depression is something that is seeping into your everyday life. Or if you are actively pushing people away and it's sometimes that's hard because again, depression is a chemical thing. So we don't always know what is happening. Sometimes we're in it or maybe we fall into depression and we've been spiraling towards it for a few days. And, you know, for me, in my case, I cycle through depression and mania. So I usually don't know that I'm in depression or mania until it's too late. I've been getting a little bit better at seeing the signs, but I'm a person that is being very thoughtful and deliberate and very introspective 
and I'm a natural introvert, so that's my natural speed to be introspective. But there are going to be other people in life who are extroverted, and they're probably more likely to put their problems on other people because of that, or they're they're slowing down for them is uncomfortable, and uh, that's going to be a challenge, and that's going to mean that they have a susceptibility that is more likely to have to occur when it comes to feeling like depression is becoming a habit. Because again, and I'm going to reiterate this, like um, the reason that I started doing Myers-Briggs research is because I wanted to learn how to separate my personality from depression. I've been experiencing depression since I was 10 years old at the youngest that I can remember. And from that point on, you know, that becomes a, a part of your life. It's, it's a partner in your life. It's like, it's like living your life and having walk, having death walk beside you the entire time, but you don't know. It's almost like a schizophrenic feeling. You don't know what is you and what is the other thing. And that is part of the growth. That is part of the lesson that you're trying to teach yourself, that you're trying to learn. And I find that going through that process of both learning myself as a, as an INTP and my personality and Myers-Briggs has helped me um, differentiate myself, what I've experienced as an individual versus what is depression and what is causing me to be a certain way. Separating that uh, has been a major element of being able to move forward. It doesn't have to be Myers-Briggs. It doesn't have to be any kind of other personality system per se. It could be as simple as just trying to make checklists and, and differentiate what is me versus what is depression. Am I just a sad person? Am I just a low energy, sad person, quote unquote, sad, because depression is not sadness necessarily. But am, am I just a person that is, has poor coping mechanisms? Am I someone that doesn't you know, did I have a poor upbringing? Do I have money mindset issues? Do I have um, really loud playing? That usually doesn't happen over here. Actually, it does every once in a while. Um, but not while I'm recording. Ah. <laughs> um, so talking about uh, um, learning more about my personality has really helped me separate those those dynamics. And for you, you know, again, if you're trying to learn about who you are, that could be about asking questions to other people that could be talking to you with therapists that could be making notes for yourself, trying to look at correlations, try to try to make notes of like, how do I feel when I'm in depression versus how do I feel when I quote unquote feel normal, you know, and some people thrive on that feeling, you know, you get used to that stress and uh, we're going to take a break so I can get a drink real quick, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that after the break. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back me. <laughs> You're still here. There's like no time jump, but really the plan is I'm kind of getting used to doing these breaks so I can kind of throw a quick sponsor in the middle. Um, sorry, I keep throwing sponsors at this episode, but you know, I got to pay the bills. So just bear with me. <laughs> um, so we're going to continue talking about depression versus personality and um, how what tactics you can try to use to, to differentiate the two. Um, again, I'm no doctor. I'm no expert on any of this, but it is indicative of my journey the past 10 months, really trying to separate who I am as a person from my depressive state and my manic state. So there's really another thing that I'm trying to differentiate and compare it all to my past. And I understand also that not everyone thinks like me. 
uh, I'm really good at compartmentalizing ideas. I'm really good at looking at the specific details of my past. Um, I'm very introverted. So uh, introspection is my natural mode of being. And um, it's going to be a challenge for some of you to do that. So uh, that's why I want to emphasize that there is no right or wrong way to go about this kind of process. It's sometimes going to involve other people, but making sure that there are people that you trust and people that can give you adequate information and, and those who are observant, you know, and to just be a little bit more skeptical um, and, and confirm data, you know, don't just go by what one person says about you, but, um, you know, try to be aware of your own patterns um, and be aware of if there's anything that you do that tries to make it worse. You know, if there's anything in your life that you're doing that puts gas on the flame, like if you're, if you find yourself feeling less stress in life, like if for some reason, like you're, you're going on vacation vacation is supposed to be an enjoyable experience, but you tend to find things that make things more difficult, or you tend to find things that, um, that make other people's experiences more difficult. You know, you drum up drama or you're the type of person that maybe, uh, is very argumentative or contrarian and you continue to do things that sort of feed that stress. Um, and it's really the stress, you know, I mean, we talk about depression versus personality, but it's really stress, that stress feeling, guilt feeling, that any kind of bad feeling can be masochistic and feel bad. You know, I think about when I was a teenager, I would listen to a lot of depressive music. I mean, there was like that whole emo phase in the early 2000s. I was definitely knee deep in that. But um, there came a point in my life where I realized that this was not helping me. I needed to make changes in my life and be aware of the things that are affecting my mood and affecting um, the way that I approach the world. Like I was continuing to listen to sad music as a way to almost feed the depression monster within me, you know, uh, instead of trying to find, and I'm not saying you need to affirmation your way out of it either, but to know when something is giving you a bad feeling when you're already feeling good, you know, that's not helpful. It's sometimes, sometimes, you know, working through bad feelings is good. I'm not going to lie there, but, um, to live in that consistently is also not good. Uh, I had to stop watching like the walking dead because it was just such a depressing downer show. The whole premise of the show was just like waiting for the next person to die and the next horrible thing to happen. Um, Molly and I started watching the handmaid's tale and I couldn't do it because it's just such a deep dive into just like a worst case scenario. Everything's depressing. Something good happens and then something bad happens equally bad or, or worse happens. And I think many of us already have enough bad things going on in our life to continue to feed that just feels wrong. And, um, I just can't, I personally can't do it. <laughs> it's too much, uh, with that show. So I have to be aware of when I'm in a depressive state to balance that so I guess that's another angle to consider is like, if you're in a depressive state and you're aware of that depressive state to try to find ways out of it, I mean, not necessarily listen to super happy go lucky music, but maybe something that speaks to your soul a little bit, but doesn't necessarily drag you down deeper. It's not reinforcing any kind of limiting beliefs or making you feel terrible or worse about yourself. It's something that can, can lift you up a little bit, give you a sense of, of feeling or hope. And that's what I hope this show usually is for people that 
it's like a realistic take on life. Like I'm trying to tell you who I am as a person and what I go through and what I deal with, but I'm not telling you how miserable I am <laughs> all the time. Um, you know, I, I don't want to do that. That's not what this show's about. It's about being realistic. But for me, being realistic is also taking responsibility for who I am and what I'm doing. So I want to share that. I want to be able to exhibit that and see that. Um, so the main point really is that it is up to you to take responsibility for your depression or your sadness or stress or whatever it is that you're dealing with and be able to counterbalance that and be aware of it and not necessarily feed into it. I like the notion. I like that term, uh, depression as a habit, um, because it is something that a lot of people get into. A lot of people get into a habit of feeding drama within themselves. They like to go out and instead of facing conflict, they like to drum up more because it's like they get, it's like, it's like a, it's like being a politician that will like sabotage an oil well or something and then be the person to fix it. And therefore they get the accolades. I just described the president. Um, and then <laughs> Sorry, social commentary. Um, but it's it's like it's like self-sabotaging so that you can make yourself feel better, and that's not helpful either. So um yeah, it's you're it's a long game, right? We're trying to play the long game and have a better sense of balance. And that means not diving, not for me at least, with my cyclothymia, that means not getting too high and not getting too low. That means if I'm feeling low then I might need to listen to more ska music or something or something that is not going to put me into like a nihilistic depressive state. It doesn't have to be happy go lucky music. It doesn't have to be positive things, but I'm not going to watch the walking dead. I'm not going to watch handmaid's tale. I'm not going to listen to dashboard confessional or anything that's going to make me uh, sad or depressed about, you know, my negativity in my past or something like I want to be able to move forward. And I think forward always is a really good, way of thinking that will allow you to not ruminate and live within your depressive state because there's, there's already so much we can't do within a depressive state to actively make it worse, to not fight it is, is going to make it even worse than that. And um, that's why I think like, you know, in previous episodes, like trying to build regular good habits, which is something that I'm still struggling with uh, is, is really good because you get into an automatic mode you start to teach yourself better habits. And that's the point. Like, that's why I like the term depression as a habit, because habits can reform, be reformed. They can be changed. They can be upgraded. So if you see yourself using depression as a tool, as a means to make excuses to not continue to do something better than what you can be today, and that means just a little bit, a little bit better, maybe, you know, just change the type of podcast you're listening to, the change the type of, um, not don't change away from this one. You're my fans. <laughs> I like you around, but um, you know, if you're listening to depressive music, if you're listening to, if you're watching depressive TV shows, just kind of balance it out with something, maybe a little bit more positive, uplifting. If you're watching the news too much, if you're getting involved too much in politics, spending too much time on social media and just not taking time to unfollow or hide people who are consistently putting poison into your life, then Again, that is your responsibility. It's your responsibility to curate any social media feed you have, to curate what you watch. No one is planting you in front of the TV and making you watch anything. Even the people that you're with, 
you have to, it is up to you to work with them to say like, I can't watch this anymore. I had to say, I had to say to Molly, like, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I can't watch this show anymore. Um, you're welcome to keep watching it, of course, but I, I just can't do it. I think I'm done. And she was like, okay. And and gives her the time to watch it on her own esteem and, and she can enjoy it. So, you know, don't let social pressure stop you from trying to further your, your, your understanding of yourself. And I do honestly think that if you want to dive into the personality aspect, you know, you can start to learn more about your personality type. For me, it was Myers-Briggs, which I think is incredibly useful to find ways to differentiate what is considered an INTP versus what is psychothymic or ADHD and really understand the differences there. Because for me, that helped me to understand and make make myself not feel bad for being my personality. I Because being an INTP on its own has a lot of resistance in life because I'm basically the god of destruction <laughs> of thought. You know, I'm always challenging the status quo. I kind of go with the flow. Um, I don't necessarily do things like traditionally. I don't like traditions. I don't care for any of that stuff. Like, uh, I, you know, safety and security is not a priority of mine. I'm not concerned with that. I'm concerned with free thought and philosophizing and trying to help people indirectly in that way. And, um, you know, I'm, my entire life has been unconventional. So to understand that that is part of who I am and I could be proud of that versus, you know, this depressive state that I get into mixed with this is a completely different thing. So understanding I, I think I think that's really it though, is like not associating depression with your personality. Finding ways to make sure that you're separating those two things so that you're not saying I'm a depressed person. You're saying I'm a person who has depression. There are just very different mindset shifts. And it does take time. There are articles that talk about this sort sort of thing. Um and videos and all that stuff and now podcasts. But I want you to tell that to yourself. Like if you're having issues with feeling like depression is a part of who you are to just use that statement. And it's the reason that words are incredibly powerful because understanding that the sheer difference of that, those things are going to, it's going to allow you to move forward in a direction that allows you to feel like you're worthy of existing. Right. I mean, that's part of depression too. So understanding that you are not a depressed person. You are a person who has depression. You are a personality that has depression. You are an amazing person that happens to have depression. And it's something that you're working on, something that you're working through, but it is not in control of your life. It does not dictate who you are as a person. And it is not those feelings. While sometimes you can feel like it feels good. It's actually just something that you're used to. And it's a, it's another, another example of that is like a lot of people. So I'm actually gonna tell a quick story. I was doing Uber the last, maybe like a two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I was doing Uber eats cause I wanted to try it out, test it and see if that was something I could make some money on. Um, spoiler alert. No. Um, and there's not a lot of money in Uber eats, but the probably five out of the eight calls that I got were all for McDonald's McDonald's. Uber Eats paying extra for McDonald's. McDonald's is already expensive compared to what it used to be. You're paying $4.99 for $4.29 for a shitty uh, sandwich. <laughs> and um, 
I don't know if that's the actual price, but it's like three to five dollars these days compared to usually like a dollar that it used to be or a buck fifty. Like fast food, one of the appeals of fast food was that it was cheap. It's not cheap anymore. People were paying twenty dollars for a couple meals for them and their kids, plus the fee on top of Uber Eats and having to wait for it. They removed fast food from the equation and the cheap aspect of the equation, but they picked. They most likely, I'm assuming here, but they most likely, based on what was going on here and the disparate the data, that they picked McDonald's because it's just what they're used to. And McDonald's doesn't taste good. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> it's not true. Don't believe anyone. McDonald's does not taste good. It is not good for you. It, like Once you stop eating fast food, and the point is, once you eat, stop eating fast food, and you stop eating fast food for like a few months and you go back to eating fast food, you realize how fucking terrible it is for you. You realize how horrible it tastes. You realize how it makes you feel. And being able to have the time and take the effort to separate those things is what gives you that contrast. But they don't have that contrast. Many people don't have that contrast because they're so used to eating fast food from when they're a little kid and they just keep on eating it and they keep feeling they're actually used to feeling terrible. And that's the difference, right? They're used to feeling terrible. So in order to see the depression within you, you need to find ways to create that contrast. You need to find ways to pull yourself out of it, at least temporarily, through trying to um, change some habits, experience different things, experience more some positive things, um, and be able to learn a little bit more about your personality and separate your personality from your depression. So you can see the distinct difference between the two and not just get used to feeling terrible. And now sometimes that can lead to being unprepared when the depression comes back in. If you're able to feel good for a little while and build those good habits and get to a place where that depression seeps in again, that can feel bad when it comes just like the same way that if you were to eat fast food months after you haven't eaten fast food, it's going to taste bad. It's going to feel bad. It's not something that's good for you anymore. Um, or it's never been good for you actually, but it's just going to slowly kill you faster. <laughs> um, and that's the point. Um, I'm not saying to keep eating fast food. So you keep eating good and you can't tell the difference. That's not the point because like that doesn't make fast food healthier. That just means you're used to the unhealthiness. So again, same, it's kind of the same thing with depression. Like you just get used to how bad it feels and you want to live within that space. You don't want to make yourself feel better. And it is every single person's personal responsibility to get themselves out of that state. Um, not to cure depression, quote unquote, but to at least actively work on it, to be aware of it, to communicate with people around you, to be aware of what's going on, to adjust your life accordingly and not feel blindsided by it or not have it reflect who you are as a person because you can, because then you can separate yourself from it and be able to build better relationships and have a better support system and be able to treat yourself a little bit better that way. So I know these are all like abstract kind of disparate things to think about and it's all easier said than done kind of stuff. I totally, absolutely understand that. But I think just using that first line that I was talking about that you are, a, you, instead of saying you are a depressed person, you are a person that has depression, you will understand that you are a person that has depression. You are a personality. You are a loving person. Everybody loves, like everybody has, everybody was a child once. Everybody was an innocent person at some point in their lives. Maybe people have done things. Maybe they've, they've 
done something horrible, but things have led in that direction. Everybody has goodness within them. Everybody's capable of improving themselves to be aware of who they are, to, to be loved and to be supported. And you also have to feel that way by realizing that you are not your depression. Your depression is a disease that is taking over you and just separating those entities is great. I've been doing what I can to, uh, to not refer to myself as cyclothymic in my identity kind of way. Like there was a Facebook group that I was a part of the one that's actually the sponsor for uh, today's show, uh, the gorilla group. And they do this thing called like the, um, you can have your own gorilla hashtag. And I was using cyclo gorilla. And after a while I was thinking like, I'm starting to identify as a cyclothymic, like that. This is my personality. This is who I am. This is, this is, this is, um, you know, I'm Christian Rivera, INTP, podcast host, cyclothymic. And while you don't want to ignore your diagnosis, your diagnosis is not a part of your personality. They're just two separate things. So that's something to think about. And that's all I do in the show is I want to create something for you to think about. So just think about that. See how that can affect you. See if that can have some sort of shift um, and you know, see if it's, if it's something you never thought about before, like, hopefully that's something that can help you. Um, but let me know through voice messages here on anchor. If you have any additional comments on that, remember, you only have a minute to leave a voice message. So be aware of that when you're leaving a message, I would love to be able to share those messages on this show and continue to answer questions like this one as an episode so that we can further the conversation. And I can actually answer things that you guys are interested in and things that I have experience with. Like I'm not going to be able to answer everything, but I'll do the best that I can based on my own personal experiences. But this concept is something that I've definitely been thinking about lately. And for the last 10 months, uh, in terms of de- separating my depression from my personality, that has been a real big deal for me. That has been a major mind shift uh, change. And it's really allowed me to, even though I'm feeling depressed right now and I'm, I'm battling it, I can realize that I can still access my personality to do this show, to continue to make work, to continue to do things and push through because my depression is just trying to grab me and drag me along, but it is not who I am and I can continue to move forward and push through. So uh, it's a challenge again, easier said than done, but I know you guys can do it. I know you can think about it. You are not a depressed person. You are a person who has depression. Those are two very different things. So um, with that, um, if you're interested in the personality stuff, I have a, uh, if you go to cnote.media, I have courses there for Myers-Briggs. So there's a free easy mode course. You could sign up for that. That is four, five, four to five hours of free uh, basics content for Myers-Briggs. And I also just started a Myers-Briggs podcast called uh, Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. So if you go to anchor.fm slash super MBTI, you can subscribe to that show. And I'll be doing all sorts of um, teachings and talking about um yeah, uh, my personality type and, and different personality types and talking a little bit about my mental health there as well in relation to that. So there's a lot going on. Um, and also if you are, if you would like to, you can support this podcast through listener support. If you go to dopamine.life, you subscribe to the show. 
And then there's a support this podcast button. You can donate 99 cents, 499 or 999 to the show. If you would like financial donations, we'll keep this show going. And I really appreciate it. I already appreciate all the call-ins. I appreciate the follows. I appreciate the subscribes, all the love. In fact, you guys keep listening to this. This is great. I really appreciate it. I love you guys. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on dopamine. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.